When I think about the sound of Philadelphia, I think about soul music. I think about Broad Street. I think about Gamblin' Huff, McFadden and Whitehead. And I think about those lush string and brass arrangements in their recordings. I also think about optimism and the way that those songs connected with the lives of black folks at the time. Philadelphia International Records was in full stride by the mid-1970s. By 1975, the label had already scored multiple gold and platinum records from their deep stable of artists, including the OJs, Billy Paul, and the Three Degrees. And the hit MFSB tune, TSOP, The Sound of Philadelphia, was making national television audiences jump off their couches as the theme song to Soul Train, hosted by Don Cornelius. Led by Kenny Gamble and Leon Huff, Philly International Records had arguably overtaken Motown and Stax as the most important soul label in the country. They took from Motown, right, the idea that you really did have to invest in song craft, right? You had to create songs that were radio friendly that everybody would want to listen to. Mark Anthony Neal is the James B. Duke Professor of African American Studies at Duke University. He says Philly International had carved out a sweet spot between Stax and Motown. And they really took the production qualities that you hear from post-1968 Stax, particularly the stuff that Isaac Hayes is doing, that creates these really, really lush arrangements, you know, with strings and horns that just made Black music sound bigger. On the heels of the Civil Rights and Fair Housing Acts, this period also saw the emergence of a black middle class that was hungry for music that spoke to the moment. You know, middle class achievement, home ownership, stable communities, stable families, you know, sending your kids off to college. And the genius of Philadelphia International Records is what it was the soundtrack of black aspiration. It was also a period of wild experimentation, avant-garde classical music, synthesizer explorations, and ever-expanding ideas of jazz forms were in the air. You could hear all of this in the soul music of Philly International. I'm John Morrison, and this is Vinyl Me Please Anthology, the story of Philadelphia International Records. My parents loved Teddy Pendergrass, and so of course, by extension, Harold Melvin and the Blue Notes. I'll explain in a second. I have sweet memories of hearing Teddy's voice filling up the living room of my childhood home. The thing with Teddy uh, was that he, he knew how to control his voice. Philly International co-founder, Kenny Gamble. 
he knew how to control it, you know, and uh, he was a true lead singer. He, he, was, he was excellent. The Blue Notes had been around in various formations since the mid-1950s, but it wasn't until they recruited Pendergrass in 1970 that they started to find real success. They actually originally hired him to be their drummer, but Teddy's voice was undeniable, so he was promoted to lead singer within a year. There's no question that the sound that made Harold Melvin and the Blue Notes was Teddy Pendergrass. You know, he's Philly soul sex symbol. Again, Mark Anthony Neal. He's the one who takes the crown from Al Green and, and Marvin Gaye. He doesn't necessarily have to pay attention to detail if he doesn't want to, because, you know, he's Teddy Pender, the female bender. But they always talked about him. All the folks they worked with, he was the one who was the most prepared when he got into the studio, right? They, they, had, they didn't have to give him a lot of direction because, you know, he followed things immediately and, and he just knew what to do in the studio. Kenny says it could be confusing at times because people thought Teddy was Harold Melvin. But he wasn't Harold Melvin. He was Teddy Pendergrass. And Harold used to say, man, they, they think I'm Teddy Pendergrass. You know, I'm Harold Melvin. So we changed the, the name of, of the group to Harold Melvin, the Blue Notes, featuring Teddy Pendergrass. They were excellent, you know. Harold Melvin and the Blue Notes signed to Philly International in 1972 and went on to release four gold albums with Gamble and Huff. Wake Up Everybody was the title track of the group's fourth and final album, released in 1975. When you hear Wake Up Everybody, first of all, the, the so unique and, and marvelous introduction, you know, which introduces this theme that never shows up ever again in the song, but, but just captures your attention. Wake up everybody, no more sleeping in bed, no more back thinking time. And I would argue for all the messages that were in Gamble and Huff's music, you know, I think the OJs were the ones who regularly represented their politics. But if there was one song that captured the full range of that, it was Howard Melvin and the Blue Notes, Wake Up Everybody. Shirley Jones was a member of the Jones Girls. She says that the political message of the song written by McFadden and Whitehead had a huge impact on her. To me, that was just such a powerful song, you know, telling people, as a black people in particular, you better wake up and realize and recognize what's going on in our communities and get out there and be a part of the change that definitely needs to happen. Shirley says that the Jones girls loved the song so much that they were in awe when they finally had a chance to meet Teddy. When we met him and Harold, we were, oh my God, you know, like fans. <laughs> we're with the same company now, so these are more label mates. But we were like fans, not groupies, but fans. <laughs> mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 
Don't Leave Me This Way is another standout track on Wake Up Everybody. It wasn't originally released as a single, but it went on to be a Grammy-nominated hit after disco singer Thelma Houston released a cover version of the song in 1976. In the 1980s and 90s during the AIDS epidemic, Houston's version became a rallying cry in the gay community. The success of the cover continues to bring people back to the original sung by Teddy Pendergrass. Don't leave me this way I can't survive Can't stay alive Without your love Don't leave me this way no. We wrote great songs for them and it worked out yeah. good. Until they, until they had some kind of confusion themselves, amongst themselves. Teddy left the Blue Notes after Wake Up Everybody. He felt like he was carrying the group and deserved a bigger cut. I mean, what can we do about that, you know? They had some problems with Teddy. We decided to stay with Teddy because of that voice. That's a once-in-a-lifetime voice, Teddy Pendergrass, like an Otis Redden or Sam Cooke. These people that come along once in a lifetime. Teddy Pendergrass went on to release four solo albums with Philly International, including Vinyl Me Please's October 2021 Classics Record of the Month feature, Life is a Song Worth Singing. They all sold over one million copies. Dexter Wenzel was one of the most interesting people working at Philly International Records. He was a songwriter, producer, keyboard master, and synth wizard. You know, so the thing about Dexter Wansell is that, you know, he is an early innovator and doesn't get a lot of credit for it, of a black artist who's playing around with synthesizers. You know, Dexter Wansell is an Afrofuturist, you yeah. know, before we, we had the language for it. Mark Anthony Neal says it was Dexter's job to program and tune Sigma Sound's synthesizers because no one else knew how to do it. And outside of Stevie Wonder and Billy Preston, you know, there were a few black artists that were really working, you know, within this vein of electronica at the time. Dexter grew up in Philly and worked as an errand boy at the Uptown Theater, the city stop on the Chitlin circuit. From backstage, he absorbed all the great music coming in and out of town. Kenny Gamble says he and Huff decided to groom Dexter to be a producer. Dexter, he was, he was part of a band. It was called Yellow Sunshine. But Dexter was an arranger and he developed himself because one of the things that Huff and I was doing, we were developing people, like he told you about, we was teaching them how to be producers, how to be songwriters.
After working as a songwriter, arranger, composer, synthesis, A&R director, and more at Philly International, Gamble and Huff gave Dexter the opportunity to put out his own album. His debut solo album, Life on Mars, dropped in 1976. The album is a sci-fi journey. It was the most sophisticated of what was being produced by Philly Soul in that moment. Mark Anthony Neal. When we think about Dexter Wontel working with so many of the artists there, and then finally given the chance to do his own records, it is very reminiscent of what happened with Isaac Hayes at Stax, you know, where he's working on all these Stax recordings post-1968, and he asked Al Bell, if I'm gonna work on these other albums, can I at least get one for myself? And that one was Hot Buttered Soul, you know, which changed the game. There's no Dexter Wansell without Hot Buttered Soul, but you know, that's what I feel the same way about Dexter's work. It's like he'd been working with all these folks and this was his album, right? And he got a lot of latitude and freedom to do what he wanted to do with it. You know, my favorite song on that album is One Million Miles From The Ground. It's one of those songs that if you've never had headphones before, it was a song that was made for you to listen in headphones, right? It's almost, you know, Philly Soul's version of, of Pet Sounds, because it's just so much going on, and then it shifts it's pacing throughout, and, and I would argue that much of Philadelphia soul music was what you would describe as sophisticated. music has been sampled over 500 times in hip-hop songs and is played all the time in DJ sets. Kanye West, Lil Wayne, Drake, Lil' Kim, and scores of others have sampled tracks from Life on Mars. I play Life on Mars in my own DJ sets a lot, and I like to sample the drum break at the beginning of Theme from the Planets. Dexter, to me, is one of the few people that I can call a musical genius as far as his arranging of music. Again, Shirley Jones of the Jones Girls. She says her peers who were in college when Life on Mars came out were obsessed with the album. It's one of those albums that just take you there. It's a take you to just a space of tranquility and peace. And that's the way I feel about the music of, and the arrangements of Dexter, from his stuff that he did on himself to the, the things he did with us, and we became his favorites. 
Dexter wrote and arranged one of the Jones Girls' classic hit songs, Nights Over Egypt, in 1982. these years later when I sit down and listen to Nights Over Egypt the beauty of that song the way he puts music and sounds and things together was just fascinating I always noticed Dexter because he was different songwriter and producer Leon Huff when he did that Nights Over Egypt that was like okay Dexter now that's a statement Dexter is uh, yeah. one of my favorite music creators because he had a whole different approach. It's an album that's before its time. There's no question about that. Mark Anthony Neal says that the music industry at the time didn't know what to do with Life on Mars. There are ways in which Black Radio didn't know what to do with it. I'm sure some of the promotions folks at, at PIR didn't know what to do with it. But you listen to it now, and it was the sound of the future. In the fourth and final episode of this series, we'll reflect on the legacy of Philadelphia International Records. You know, when you think about their imprint on culture, black culture, and really think about the fact that their their real heyday really was just relatively short period of time, you know, roughly from 1972 to 1979, to have the kind of lasting impact that they've had on the culture is pretty extraordinary. That's next time on Vinyl Me Please Anthology, the story of Philadelphia International Records. This episode was written by Alex Lewis with help from me, John Morrison. This season of Vinyl Me Please Anthology was produced by Alex Lewis and John Myers of Row Home Productions. The executive producer for Vinyl Me Please is Amelia Sutliff. Special thanks to the people at Sony Music and Philadelphia International Records. I'm John Morrison. Thanks for listening. 